want to welcome you back to our series on money. It's not about the money. The solution to your money isn't money. And this evening, uh, today, we're going to be dealing with this whole issue of worry. Now, I'm not a worrier, but about a year ago, when Linda and I bought our small farm a couple of hours northwest from here, I experienced worry in a pretty significant way. The day we bought our farm was a crisp, cool, sunny winter day, and we went straight from the title company to the farm, and we celebrated. We took selfies, and we posted pictures of our farm on Facebook for all of our friends so they could join in the celebration with us. And it was, to be honest, it was kind of an emotional afternoon. We had just bought a piece of the Texas Hill Country, and we had all kinds of dreams about the great things that we were going to do at the farm. My dreams kind of turned to nightmares. I didn't sleep most of the night. This was far and away the biggest purchase that we had ever made. And really for us, it was kind of a culmination of decades of saving our money. And a sense of panic overwhelmed me as I began to worry that maybe I had made a mistake. After all, I'm a preacher, not a farmer. What do I know about sheep or cattle or agriculture or operating heavy equipment? I didn't know any of that stuff. And all of a sudden, I was worried that maybe, just maybe, I had made the biggest financial mistake of my life. Now, I have a hunch that a bunch of you know how I felt that night. Because when your finances are bad, when you're in debt and you're unable to save, worry is just about inevitable because you are on an unsustainable financial path. And Clayton and I have talked about this over the last couple of weeks, but today I want to give you some real numbers. Consider the following scenario. The average household income, that's all the income, if, if two people are working, the average household income in San Antonio is $62,000 a year. But you don't get to keep all that money. The IRS says that if you make that amount of money, you're going to pay $13,000 in taxes. If you have a $1,200 a month mortgage, you're going to pay over $14,000 a year on your mortgage. If you spend for your family of four around $200 a week at the grocery store, that adds up to over $10,000 a year. If you're financing two cars, you can figure around $9,000. You're going to pay $1,700 to insure those cars. Your utilities probably going to run you around $200 a month, $2,500 a year. Fuel, $1,800 a month. A family of four is now... They're now saying, uh, just around the United States in general, that just for your technology, if you guys have smartphones, you have internet at your house, you have cable TV, and you enjoy going to some movies ever so often, you're going to spend around $4,800 a year. 
Maybe you've got some student loans that are costing you some money. And then there's always the things you forgot in your budget, right? You always have to figure in a 10% fudge factor because life always costs more than you think. So add another 4000 And that means at the end of the year, you're $2,000 in the hole. Now, this doesn't include all the things that most families want to do and need to do. According to American Express, the average family of four spends over $4,500 a year on an annual vacation. According to the IRS, the average family of four spends over $2,700 on clothing. And that sounds a little low. If you have two children in extracurricular sports, you're talking a minimum of $2,000. And if minor emergencies around your place only come to $1,000, that leaves you $10,304 in the red every year, and that is pure chaos. That is why you are on an unsustainable, worrying path into your future. Imagine the pressure that this puts on you. It's very possible that you're going to be angry a lot. You're going to be stressed a lot. You might have trouble sleeping. You could even have some feelings of inferiority. When you see somebody else that doesn't seem to be as worried as you are. And to, make, to try to deal with uh, your debt and your worry, you might decide either to just work too much So that you become a workaholic or you may just decide to give up and not really try very hard at anything at all and seek unhealthy ways to temporarily alleviate some of your pain. All of this is going to affect your health and it's probably going to affect your marriage and your relationships. Y'all, worry is bad news. And so I want to ask you today, what is worrying you and how can you overcome it? Well, Jesus spoke directly to this question in Luke chapter 12. The people Jesus spoke to were struggling to just put food on the table and clothes on their children. It's estimated by scholars that 75% of the population in Jesus' day actually did work. They had real jobs. They worked all the time. And yet they had few worldly goods to show for it. They were just trying to make ends meet. And so naturally, they were worried. But I want you to look at what Jesus said to them. He said, therefore, I tell you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Jesus said, don't worry. Life is about more than your stuff. Life is about more than your money. But for many of us, we're not absolutely certain that we agree with Jesus, If we were honest, most of us think that if we had more money, we'd have less problems. Most of us think that if we had more money, we wouldn't worry as much. But Jesus said, this isn't true. And we've seen evidence that more money doesn't 
create less problems. People all around the country who win lotteries have consistently shown that they have their greatest financial problems after they win. Why? Because life isn't just about money. Life is about factoring God into everything, including our finances. Well, Jesus knew this. Look at what he said. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. He went on to say, consider the lilies, how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. And here's Jesus' point. If God cares about the stuff that he made, why don't we trust him to, that he cares about us? Because if we did, we would factor him into everything, including our money. Now, I know what some of you are thinking when you hear Jesus say words like that. You're thinking, Witty, that's church talk. That's preacher talk. That's not reality. You don't know my bank account. You don't know my financial condition. You don't know how bad off I am. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> When I was a student at Baylor, and I know you think, oh, you went to Baylor? Y'all, when I went to Baylor, it was so long ago, it was $15 a semester hour. I mean, you can't even get into the UTSA parking lot for that now. <laughs> so this was a long time ago. It was, when I went to Baylor, I took 16 hours a week. I worked 20 hours a week, either at the cafeteria or at the dorm. Minimum wage was $2.75 an hour. And usually, I had about $15 in my checking account. I felt rich if I had 50. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. On our first date, Linda and I went to the nicest restaurant in the area. It was called the Waterworks. It was right on the Brazos River, and you could look out over the river. We sat in the waiting area where they served free popcorn and played cards. I couldn't afford to take her in for a meal. Now, clearly, Linda didn't marry me for my money, so she must have married me for my good looks. I mean, I don't know what else it could have been. But my point is, I do understand what you're saying. Trusting God with your finances can sound like a fairy tale. But I want you to consider this. If you can trust God for eternal life, you can trust God for this life because he's the same God. That's what Jesus was trying to get us to see. God made us. He loves us. He's proven that he loves us by giving Jesus to die on the cross for us. And if we are able to trust him for eternal life, he promises to us that he will give us eternal life. And if you have trusted God for eternal life, Jesus is telling us that you can also trust him for this life because he's the very same God. And that's the key to dealing 
with overwhelming worry. That sounds easy, doesn't it? Just trust God. But we all know that it's not that easy. So how do you and I know if we're actually trusting God? Well, Jesus told us negatively one way we know we're not trusting him. And then he also told us positively how we can know if we really are trusting him. First, look at the negative. Jesus said, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. Now, the phrase, set your heart on, translates a Greek word. It's the word zeteo. And the only reason I mention this is that it is such a dynamic term. It was a hunting term for pursuing something with complete focus and concentration. It's like this picture of this lion in pursuit of its prey. Look at how focused she is. In other words, Jesus said, if you're like that, if you've set your heart on stuff, if you're focused on stuff, if that is what you're pursuing, if getting more is what your life is about, Jesus said, you're not trusting God. In fact, he went on to say that that people who don't even claim to know God, this is what they do. And Jesus seems to be implying that if you and I have trusted God, then we ought to set our hearts on him. And we ought to pursue him. So be honest with yourself. What is your heart set on? What are you pursuing? What are you hunting down? Are you hunting down wealth? Are you hunting down significance or security or prestige or a better address or a bigger TV or a newer car or an impressive title in front of your name? What? You see, the pursuit of these things will not help you win over worry. In fact, they may increase your level of worry if you have to go into debt in order to obtain them. So Jesus said the only way to win over worry is to trust God. And he told us how to do that positively. Look at what he said. He said, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Well, What does it mean to seek the kingdom of God? You know, that kind of language sounds like very religious language. But I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind here at all. The kingdom of God refers to the rule and the authority of God over everything forever. As king, God owns everything. But he gives some of what he owns to us to manage on his behalf. This is what your stuff is. Your stuff belongs to God, but he gives it to you to manage. You say, I'm not sure I agree with that. I can prove it to you. You came into this world with nothing, and you will leave this world with nothing. Everything you have 
belongs to God. He gave it to you to manage it for him. Your stuff isn't yours. It belongs to God. And that is why Jesus said to seek the kingdom of God. And when he said it, this is what he meant. And don't miss this. To seek the kingdom of God means to manage everything your hand touches in a way that honors God. To seek the kingdom of God means to manage everything your hand touches in a way that honors God. That means to take care of everything that God has given you. When your hand touches something, it should get better because you are involved. And when this happens, God is honored. Now to make things better, it means that you have to invest yourself. You have to invest your time. You have to invest your skills and your knowledge and your money and your energy and your resources to make it better. That means that you can't just spend everything on yourself. It means you can't waste what you have. You have to take what God has given you and invest it in everything your hand touches in order to make it better. And y'all, that means that everything you do is spiritual. It means that every meal you cook is a spiritual event. It should be better. It means that every conversation that you're a part of is a spiritual event. You should make it better. It means that your job that you go to is spiritual because you're there. It should be better. It means that the little league team that you coach is a spiritual event. You should make it better. That's what it means to seek God's kingdom, to make whatever you are involved in better, whatever your hand touches better than when before you touched it. You know, one of the first houses that Linda and I lived, uh, lived in, after we kind of got out on our own, was a rent house in Katy, Texas. We had one of the best yards on the street. And as you know, renters don't always really care very much about taking care of the yard, right? I mean, I get that. It's not their yard. And it can cost a lot of money to do that. But we had one of the best yards on the street. I fertilized it. I watered it. And when I cut it, I didn't just, you know, cut it in a circle just to be done with it and put the mower up. No, I crisscross cut it like they do those golf fairways and golf greens. And when I was done, I'd sit on the porch and I'd admire my handiwork and smell the fresh cut grass. You ever done that? Yeah. I was proud of it. I wanted to make it better. And that's what it means to manage everything your hand touches in a way that honors God. Everything that comes into your sphere of influence gets better because you're there. And y'all, that's what I'm asking us to do today. Jesus said that's how you and I prove that we really do trust God. When the primary goal of our life, when the primary motive for doing everything is to make it better in a way that honors God, Jesus said that proves that you're trusting God with your life. Consider this. If you will take care of what God gives you, God will take care 
of giving you all you need. If you will take care of what God gives you, God will take care of giving you all you need. And when that happens, worry will be a thing of the past. And so let me get very practical here. Take care of your place. Clean it up. Fix those things that are broken. Oil the hinges on the front door, John. Power wash the oil stains off the driveway. Trim the trees, mow the grass. Put a little fertilizer on it. Give it a meal. Trim the hedges. Take care of your work. Get to work on time. Hey, here's a novel idea. Get to work early. Get your mind ready for what you're going to do and focus that day. Work hard. Do your best. Get along with the people you work with. Take pride in whatever you do. Take care of your money. See, money is now just one part of your whole life. Take care of it. Be sure you don't waste it. Don't just spend it all on yourself. Be sure you save so that you can give. Invest what God gives you to make everything you touch better. Take care of your relationships. Turn off the TV. Talk to one another. If you want to have great relationships, there's four things you got to do. You got to eat together. You have to play together. You have to talk about God and your life together. And you have to work together. Be sure and take care of your relationships in your family and with your friends. Do those things. And while you're at it, take care of your relationship with God. Set time aside every day to focus on him, to read a portion of his word, the scriptures, to pray, to get yourself ready for the day. Worship with us here. And finally, take care of yourself. Eliminate any belief and any behavior that does not honor God. If you're wasting money, stop. If you're drinking too much, start drinking in moderation. If you're eating too much, cut back to one helping. If your language is foul, be quiet. (laughs) If you're watching bad stuff online, quit. If you can't handle the technology that brings it to you, get a different technology that can't bring it to you. Get the help you need to change your habits. If you want to take, if you want to overcome worry, if you want to win with it, you got to take care of what God gives you. Because God will take care to give you all you need when you do that. Because when you get right down to it, here's what Jesus said. He's the only one we really need. So if you're struggling, if you feel like you're underneath water, if life's hard on you right now, financially or whatever way, I know what we all think. We all think we got to figure out that issue. We got to solve that problem. And I get that. But Jesus is asking you to think differently. He's asking you to think that all you really need is the king of the universe who owns everything. And he's asking you to trust him 
And so here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to do what Jesus said. We prove we trust him when we take care of everything our hand touches. Listen, you may not be able to do more than that. Maybe all you can do is make sure that what your hand does touch is better than before you actually had it. You take care of what God gives you and God will take care of giving you all you need. Do you believe that? It is what Jesus taught us and we can trust him for that. Take care of what God has given you and he will take care to give you all you need. If you can trust him for eternal life, you can trust him for this life. Jesus promised it. You know, it could be that you're here today and you can't trust him for this life because you've never trusted him for eternal life. God loved you so much, he gave Jesus to die on a cross to pay for your sins. And if you believe that Jesus did that for you, then I'm asking you to receive him as your own personal savior. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your greatness. We praise you for that. We thank you for your love for us. And Lord, you know where each of us is today. You know the issues that are going on with us. Maybe they're financial. Maybe they're relational. Maybe we hate our job. Maybe we're just depressed and discouraged and we feel like a nothing. Lord, all we need is you. That's what Jesus said. And so, Lord, for those of us who have trusted you for eternal life, we commit ourselves right now to trusting you for this life. And, Lord, we are going to take care of the things that our hands touch. We're going to make sure of that. We're committing ourselves to that today. And Lord, for those who are here today and they've never trusted you for eternal life, I pray right now that they would receive Jesus as their Savior. And with that same faith, I pray that they would trust you for this life. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us. You're great, and we acknowledge you today, and we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen.